Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Lonnie over on this side. And Jeff on this end. Uh, we're looking forward to our conversation, our discussion with you today. And it's just been a blessing, by the way, to receive all the correspondence that we do from all over the world. Uh, we get it from the Middle East particularly quite a bit, and we just received one from a kibbutz uh, in Israel, which was an exceptional blessing as well. And uh, many people are writing in for information and for books, and uh, we have many free booklets. We also have a resource center that uh, will be uh, made available to you at the end of the program to let you know where you can uh, purchase or uh, get more material. It is a joy to be with you, and uh, we want to talk about a very unique subject, and that is the call to the ministry. Uh, Brother Lonnie, got a question for you. Okay. Is it a call, or can a person just uh, say, I want to be a I want to be a plumber, I want to be an electrician, I want to be a preacher, I want to be a prophet. Is it actually something that's a divine call from God? Most people assume that a prophet's a divine call, but what about the other part of the ministry? No, I think we see from Scripture that all five of the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, are a definite call from God. And I, for one, based on the Bible Scriptures that we'll be going over with you today, uh, believe that it, there is there's a supernatural element always involved in a call, mm -hmm. and that and that a person who decides he wants to be a minister really places himself in the possibility of serious trouble with God, mm -hmm. because God gifts a man and natures a man mm -hmm. for his calling, mm -hmm. and so I've got a series of scriptures here, uh, kind of starting out uh, from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And uh, for you uh, viewers, I, where I would like to cover two points today. One, a call to the ministry, and uh, a little bit about that from scripture, uh, scriptural examples and scriptures themselves. And then also we're going to talk about uh, first, second, and third Exodus, uh, which may be a new term, new term to you, but we'll pick it up on this very first portion of scripture. If you're a good uh, Bible student and would like to see these things in your Bible, We'll be going through several uh, scriptures today. You might want to just grab your Bible real quick and maybe just read right along, read right along with us. So the, we're going to start out in the book of Exodus, chapter 3, at verse 7. <clears throat> and there's an interesting statement here. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I want you to catch that. God is speaking. He says, I have come down to bring them out of that land and into a good land and large, and then goes on and dis describes the land. Verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Now, God is, and Moses has met the burning bush, and God is speaking to him out of the burning bush. And then verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mightest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we notice now at this first exodus that we're speaking of that God came down in a prophet to do the work. So they never saw uh, this spirit God uh, moving around in their midst. They saw Moses, but they saw the works of God through Moses. But the, now that's our first exodus where God was calling a nation out of a nation, calling Israel 
out of Egypt. And we'll go into two more exoduses as we, as we continue on here because we're in a, a third exodus right now. But the, so we see that definitely that Moses, our example here, he definitely had a supernatural experience with a burning bush and God speaking to him out of the burning bush. For those of you that have been with us as we've discussed the ministry of William Branham, uh, as a young child, he had a voice speaking out of a whirlwind in a tree. Never smoke, nor drink, nor defile your body in any way, for there's a work for you to do when you get older. And so God was already setting in motion the wheels for, for God calling a prophet. But, uh, but I want to talk more about the call in general, because we find so often that people have, men have, and women, have made a decision, I think I'd like to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. And so... First of all, uh, well, I better not go first of all. Let me just stick with my notes because then I know I'll cover, cover all, all the points. The Bible gives us a pattern for a calling a man to a ministry. And like I said, it is not just a decision that he makes to be a doctor or farmer or fire chief or police officer. There's a time and a place that each minister should be able to either know that at that time God called him or at that time, God confirmed to him something that was already in his heart. So you, you've got a guy, let's say, who's a young convert. He's 21, <clears throat> 22, giving his heart to the Lord. And he says, I want to go uh, to seminary. And because I feel God has called my life. So um, that individual now in his sincerity, he heads off to four years of uh, seminary, four years to college. That's not the kind of call you're talking about, is it? No, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest with what I hear out of many of the theologians uh, from the seminaries, it would be mm -hmm. one of the worst things he could do. Right. Because so many of the theologians now uh, th so thoroughly reason about and examine the Bible in such a uh, non-faith-like way mm -hmm that a person could almost be stripped of his faith by the time he finished seminary. I just talked to a young man the other day who, who uh, he had gone to seminary and he said that the church, that, that the seminary he was going to, the college he was going to, was trying to determine whether or not the Bible had error in it or did not, or whether or not that Jesus was divine or was not. And it was terribly discouraging. He had gone in there to learn more about God, only to find the school itself refuting the divinity of Jesus Christ and the inerrancy of Scripture. Yeah, well, we find that all too often. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Satan knows where to place his people. Yeah, exactly. For those of you who have been with us in previous broadcasts, we know that the Word of God is compared to a seed. The, the parable of the seed, the sower went forth to sow, and the seed was the Word of God. So the natural laws that apply to seed would then also apply to the Word of God because the same rules in a natural, spiritual mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. apply to natural things and spiritual things. And so if we can put a seed into the ground, the kind of seed that the way God made it originally, it will exactly produce what God put into that seed and it will continue to bring forth of its own kind. But, but also with the seed, if we take it and hybrid it with something else, now we've broken the pattern of God. It doesn't bring forth of its own kind. It brings some kind of a mixed life manifestation which is exactly what happens when man interjects his thoughts into the Word of God mm. and hybrids the Word with his own thoughts. And that then here comes a hybrid product, maybe mm -hmm. a church member, maybe a good tithe payer, but they'll never manifest the life of Christ because it can't happen without a pure seed. It can bring forth 
well, I'd go into too many details here, it can right. bring forth the life manifestation in the age that it's, that it's called to, Luther's age, justification, Wesley's age, sanctification, Pentecostal age, gifts of the manifestation of the Spirit. But now we're in harvest time, and so there has to be a manifestation of the fullness of the life of Christ that has to come forth here, here at harvest time. And it takes a called man to spot those turns in the road when we move from a message of justification only to a message of justification, sanctification, to a message of justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and yielding himself to the Spirit of God. So it takes the call man to make these turns. The denominational man will stay what it, with what his church teaches. But the called man has to find his way in the Scripture and mm -hmm. therefore move with the unfolding of the word in the Scripture. We find that in... in uh, watching the scriptures, I've got it in my notes here somewhere, that gifts and callings are without repentance. And mm. I'll go, go into those gifts and callings when I get to that place in my notes here. But gifts and callings are without repentance, which means that God made up his mind for these things, and then there, he doesn't change his mind, doesn't change his mind about it. So a man who um, is uh, called by God was probably born with that gift even before his conversion. Uh, that's my very next thought in the note. It says, oh. God equips each man for his particular calling, and he gives him a nature that fits a call. Hmm. And so we, we watch the nature of a, of a pastor. Right. And generally, he conducts himself quite differently in the pulpit than, the, let's say, the evangelist. That's true. But, but above that, the way he would deal with his people is very different than the evangelist. Oh, yeah. So each one has their own unique calling. We'll get back to that. Okay. I'd like to talk about the natures because you've yeah. been in the ministry long enough and so have I that yeah. you begin to see certain natures with certain, certain callings. So the apostle, the prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, uh, each of these five New Testament ministries are unique. Each call is unique. And so each one is a special man, mm -hmm. but in his own <clears throat> special way. And so consequently, we admire each of them. They're like a great bouquet of God that each one uh, puts off its own fragrance, shall mm -hmm. we say, yeah. because they each have a special, special role. So when a man is not using his call in the right office, then it's detrimental not only to himself, but to the people he's ministering to, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he's called to handle the word in a certain way. And let's say that uh, this is the most common one. We find men who are called to be evangelists end up taking a pastoral ship, and I hate to say this, right. but probably because of the financial stability. He's got a regular income to a regular people, doesn't have to travel around like the evangelist. But yet his approach to the word, if, if, the, if the evangelist is acting in the role of a pastor, the people's own growth will be stunted. And the reason it'll be stunted is because the evangelist by nature shakes the people makes them re-examine their own life, look at themselves in the light of the word, double-check themselves, and probably make them feel very guilty about any of the things in their life that are amiss from the word of God. But if you have to sit under that for every service, mm -hmm. my goodness, the people are torn up all the time because they never get settled. They never know whether they're saved or not because they're continually being shaken and being told, What's, uh, what's wrong in their life rather than what's right in their life. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jeff is a pastor. Yeah. Uh, I bet you can add some comments <clears throat> on that too in well, seeing the differences. I, I, I used to travel a lot before I was a pastor. I was an evangelist for five years. And um, after I had got done preaching a message and my, my, my 
primary burden at that point was to see that people got saved. So they would be at the altar. I would go down, and I found myself praying with them for, for, for hours. If they were at the altar, I was there with them. And um, my heart was burdened for them. And every time I would leave that assembly, I evangelized there, and then I would leave to go to the next assembly to preach there. Every time I would leave that assembly, I would find myself saying, how are those sheep doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How are those sheep doing? Are they growing? Are they responding to the word of God? I've seen them uh, uh, go to the altar, but are they growing? So the pastor has a unique gift to nurture the people. It is his job. Um, the, see, the evangelist screams out against symptoms. Maybe the, the young man's uh, uh, listening to rock and roll music and his hair's long. The evangelist will strike that. He'll see that in the pulpit. He's preaching. He sees it, and he comes out against it. The pastor says, well, that's just a symptom. Uh, the long hair and the rock and roll means that he's just being influenced by the world. So what he needs is some engagement with the, with the church, with the fivefold ministry, with the word of God. And so we're just going to, the pastor has the patience to work with him on the long term. Now, if I had a lot of lethargy, let's say, or a lot of uh, complacency in the church and people were not uh, responding to the word, well, then I would bring in the evangelist Mm -hmm. and say, listen, let your gift operate. Stimulate this church. Stir it up. Mm -hmm. And I I would encourage every pastor that if you see your church getting a little lukewarm, God, uh, God will have in place in your mind a good evangelist that will come in there and stir that congregation up. And that's what they need. And so he'll go in, and, and usually evangelists, another thing they do is, is they don't qualify a statement. They won't say, they'll, they'll talk about maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you do this, and you do that, and you do this, you're not even born again. They don't qualify, and they shake the people up. But that's okay. The pastor comes in the next Sunday and he says, didn't we have a wonderful time with evangelist so-and-so? And then he salts in the word and more teaching to ground the people. Uh, but if you had evangelism every Sunday, and so often, like you said, that evangelist becomes a pastor, he tears the people up because they, they always wonder, am I born again? Am I even saved? And so the, the one ministry of the fivefold ministry is called a shepherd or a bishop or an overseer, and that's the pastor. The evangelist is not an overseer. He's an evangelist. But the bishop or the local pastor stays right there, and he oversees the flock, and he's natured. Uh, I've always told my evangelists in my church, you have to bring your gift subject to the local church, to the local body, and to, particularly to the bishop, because your tendency is going to think, I don't preach hard enough against sin. Mm-hmm. And they get critical of me because they don't think I'm preaching hard enough against sin. But I know I've got the evangelists coming through on a regular basis. Uh, I would say, when I say regular, six times a year, seven times a year at the most. And he'll come through and he'll stir the people up. And then the old shoe, mm-hmm. that local shepherd, he just he's, he's a shepherd. He smells like the sheep. He's there. He's always going to be there. And he's just meeting the needs of those people locally. Mm-hmm. And the evangelist, on the other hand, he comes in, stirs them up, and then I, what, the way I like to say it is, is the evangelist, he wounds them, and then I come in with the balm, mm-hmm. and, I, and I heal those wounds, and I nurture them and say, you know, what he said was true, and you need to straighten up in this area. And mm-hmm. if I said it, it wouldn't be as effective. Mm-hmm. It's like right. I could say something to my children, and, you know, I'm this daddy, but let somebody else say the same thing, and it'll have more effect. Oh, yes. And that's yes. the beauty of the fivefold ministry. Right. God knows our nature as sheep. He knows we have to have all five. 
one of the churches that I have ministered in a few times <coughs> in one of the states here in the United States, the the pastor, in my opinion, is an evangelist. Yeah. And he's a dy he's dynamic. He's yeah. Yeah. Powerful yeah. preacher. Powerful <laughs> preacher. And a, a new couple moved to his church that I knew from a previous church. Right. And they had a little problems in their marriage in that the woman was very dominating over her husband. Yeah, yeah. And so I asked him if he, this, how this little group, this little couple was getting along. And he says, oh, he said, I see that nature. And he says, I'm going to either preach it in or preach it out. I'm there, blessing there them every go. service. He, that's the that's evangelist. He's not going to work with them. They're going to no. either shape up or right. ship out. He you usually, know? That's right. And yeah. I've heard evangelists tell me, I preach them in or preach them out. Yeah, right. Yeah, And that's their call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we're not, we're not knocking the evangelist. That's what he's called to do. Pastor, yeah. very different. However, on the other hand, if a teacher whose primary call is a teacher become, becomes a pastor, then the people become intellectual mm -hmm. because he's always teaching them new things and deeper things and the things of the scripture, but it's, it's filling up their head, but maybe not their heart. Mm -hmm. So the teacher produces an intellectual group. The evangelist, he, he'll produce a group that's kind of beat down all the time if they're out of their place. Right. But either one, if they're in their right place, can really be a blessing to the church. That's right. And so that's where they're supposed to be. The apostle, of course, uh, we don't hardly ever hear the word apostle anymore because we think that's some super-duper thing that only the 12 in the, in the Bible, Book of Acts, right. uh, had that call. But an apostle really is a missionary. That's really all he is. Mm -hmm. A missionary is an apostle if he's a true missionary. Apostle means one cent. Missionary means one cent. And so the, the, we, why they dropped the term apostle and chose missionary, uh, I don't know. But nevertheless, back to my notes here on the calling. So when a new, new vert new convert comes in that may not immediately look the part, then of course the evangelist has to strike out at that. That's just right. like yeah. just like you were saying, where the pastor, he's gifted with more patience. He has an insight into human nature and is willing to give the new convert space or time uh, to grow in the Lord. That's right. And I'll skip the evangelist. We've talked about him enough. Now in scripture, we see that each person had some experience with God in their call. Abraham, we know he had a call from God. And Noah, we know about his call from God, Genesis chapter 6. Moses in Exodus, we know about his call, meeting God in a, in a pillar of fire uh, experience mm -hmm. in the bush. But, but there were, there's different ways that God can call. For example, when God began to work with Jeremiah in the chap first chapter, verse, verse 5, I believe it is, he told Jeremiah that before you were in your mother's womb, I formed thee and created thee to be a prophet to the nations. And so consequently, now we're getting in a little bit deeper into our subject in that before he was in the womb, God had already called him mm -hmm. and was shaping him to be a prophet to the nations. How does he mean shaping him? In that he will watch over Jeremiah's great-great-grandparents, great-grandparents, grandparents, and parents, so that certain genetic characteristics have been bred into this fellow so that he'll be natured for the call that God has in mind for him. So God works with all of these natural things that we know about to bring about something that can, ends up being a very spiritual call. Mm -hmm. in, the, uh, in the New Testament, this thought unveils with the scripture in Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. This says, gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so therefore gifts, a man who is gifted to be an apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, uh, and his 
calling of God, the context uh, here in, in Romans is, of course, that, that Israel was chosen as a special people for God and gifts and callings are without repentance. So they were called to be a special nation to display God. But, but the application fits across all the area. So when we look at gifts and callings, the word gift in the Greek is charisma, which, of course, we, uh, we know about the charismatics that are there's certain move within the Christian church called charismatics because they, they focus on the gifts of the Spirit. And so here's gift, and, it, and it's, uh, the word uh, charisma is translated gift 15 times and a free gift two times. And here's the Greek definition from the Greek. A favor with which one receives without any merit of his own the gift of divine grace, the gift of faith, or the gift of knowledge, holiness, virtue, the economy of divine grace by which the pardon of sin and ex eternal salvation is appointed to sinners in consideration of the merits of Christ laid hold of by faith, and grace or gifts denoting extraordinary powers, distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve the church of Christ the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating on their souls by the Holy Spirit. So we can see how that would easily apply to the, to the fivefold ministry, that they're gifted with a power to hold on to the word, rightly divide the word, uh, deliver the word in a way that the layperson just can't do it quite like that because the gift, the endowment from God is not there. Now, gifts and callings. So here's the Greek word from callings. is kletos. It says, called or as invited to a banquet, invited by God in the proclamation of the gospel to obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of Christ. All, both of those are calls to the banquet, to salvation. It says, called to the discharge of some office, divinely selected and appointed. So consequently, now we see this this calling is something that's strictly in the mind of God. Now, we find in the search of Scripture that names were put in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And when I put that term in my uh, search program in the Bible, here's a few of the Scriptures that come up. Jesus says, Father, Thou hast loved me from before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 4 says, According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Chosen, elected before the foundation of the world. That means that there's been some program that has been set in motion from the mind of God, mm -hmm. and we are each living out our portion of the Word of God in its season. And then in 1 Peter 1.20, speaking of Jesus Christ and His uh, death and crucifixion, it says, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So we find that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation tells us that. Literally, no, in the mind of God. Because in the mind of God, He knew that Adam and Eve would fall and they'd need a Savior. So in the mind of God, He had already slain the Lamb to provide a sacrifice for His fallen children. So we're all living out a, a preordained role, and the fivefold ministry is one of those, just like Jeremiah, Jeremiah was called and ordained before the foundation of the world, before he was formed in his mother's womb. 
then we find that each of these ministries have a time when they're to be on earth for their calling and the manifestation of their part of the Word of God in their place in the body of Christ. Now, one more word, and that's election. Because we got off on the subject of election there and ministries are predestinated, I can see by the time we'll have to go into the next program to finish this subject. But election, uh, the, word, the Greek word is translated election six times and chosen one time. And it says the act of picking out, choosing, used of the act of God's free will by which before the foundation of the world, he, made, he decreed his blessings to certain persons the decree made from, from choice by which he determined to bless certain persons through Christ by grace, a thing or person chosen. So we see here that the picture begins to get clear that we are living out something that God had already preplanned. And the scripture in Ephesians says we were chosen in Christ, the anointed word before the foundation of the world. And I've talked a lot. We've only got a few seconds left. Jeff, did you have something you wanted to wrap up with? Yeah, sure enough. Um, the question I would like to ask you is, is, is God calling you? And we talked about a fivefold ministry, and I'm not really gonna refer to that now. We'll go into that in the next session. But is he calling you to salvation? Is he calling you to Christ? There was an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the scriptures, and, he's, and Philip came alongside and he says, and, and, and the Ethiopian eunuch was reading them out loud out of Isaiah. And he says, Philip says, do you understand what you read? He says, how can I except some man teach me? So the man was reading the Bible, wanting to understand more about Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, that man understood that Christ was the Savior of the world. Then the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized by Philip. He went down into the waters and he received the Holy Spirit and Philip was translated from him. So if God is calling you, Get into the Word of God and you'll find out whether there's something on the inside that God is responding to. God bless you. we got another program coming up. We're going to be con continuing on with this subject matter. Bye now. It's been a joy speaking with you about our testimonies, Brother Lonnie and myself. Uh, you heard about the supernatural and what God has done in our life with regard uh, to the ministry. And I do believe the ministry is a supernatural call. And Brother Lonnie has his entire testimony available. So those of you that would like to hear about how God called him, about his life, about his ministry, of course it's personal to me because he's my father, but there's so much information packed in his life story. We want you to hear it, it's available to you. God bless. Order the four-part DVD set of the testimony of Lonnie Jenkins or a DVD of today's program, A Call to the Ministry. Write to us at Global Answers at 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. You'll find a variety of files to download, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us today, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.